Welcome back to the Encounter Show. I'm here with John. Dale's on the camera. And John Clancy is a global citizen who is a pastor. He's got some amazing God stories. And the whole point of the Encounter Show is to build your faith, to build our faith, just encourage each other of what Jesus is doing now in our lives, not just in the Bible, but today in 2023. And uh, John has some amazing stories of how God has just intervened in your life, whether deserved or undeserved, his favor is there. And uh, do you want to oh, just say hello? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And Yeah, I'm John Clancy and uh, I'm American. My accent, I've been told, is a bit of a mishmash at this point. Transatlantic. Yeah. yeah. I've been living in Scotland for about 16 years. Wow. Um, spent a couple years down in England. Uh, we're part of a network of churches called Skylark. Also part of Bethel Leaders Network. And um, yeah, uh, this network across the north called Orcas, which we founded. I was living in Orkney for 16 years, and I've got six kids and, wow. and a Canadian wife who's awesome named Rachel. Oh, great. Wow. John, John's one of those guys that whenever I speak to him, he tells me a different story with a different country. I'm like, India or Ukraine. I'm like, where do? how do you get around all these places? But I think for me, one of the best stories you've ever told me was how you became a Christian. Your journey into finding Jesus isn't an everyday story. And it is one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show, um, especially for some of the young guys that I know who um, maybe they're pursuing lifestyles outside of Jesus. And um, I know that your story would encourage people to come running back to him or running to find him. So do you want to just launch into like your life before God and what happened there? Yeah, it is. It is a crazy story. I mean, sometimes when I'm thinking about this stuff, it, it's, it seems like so far ago, not just in mm. terms of time, but my life was a completely different person. It almost feels like it was somebody else's story, you know? Yeah. It's really weird that way. But, I mean, essentially, I you could sum it up by saying I was a drug smuggler who ended up getting Whoa. saved out of this radical, uh, this radical experience. But I suppose you could kind of go back further than that and say that um, we came from... A broken home. Mm. My parents got divorced when I was 13. My dad was a pretty successful business person. So up until about the age of 11, we we had led a pretty rich life, I guess. You know, mm. boats and uh, we had a summer house and a and a winter house. On, well, uh, that house a, on that's a rich life, eh, Dale? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. You know, it was idyllic in in some yeah. respects. But my dad was an alcoholic. Um, this was in the 90s wow. or the late 80s, and he ended up getting into cocaine. There were marriage problems, and the uh, when my parents got divorced, he basically went off the rails with crack cocaine, wow. and his life really took a downhill turn fast. Any semblance of money that we had sort of all either went to lawyers, people who were embezzling from my dad's business at the time and wow. drugs. Cool. Uh, and so it all basically went up in smoke in a very short space of time, just a matter of a couple of years. Mm. And um, things got pretty bad. So when my dad was doing drugs, I wanted to be hanging out with him and wow. hanging out with his pals, even though his life was in complete chaos. Um, and we started doing drugs together fairly quickly. Wow. 
and with your dad with my dad wow. yeah so once i had his approval and also his connections i was able to get drugs from his pals and sell them to my pals and realize hey i can not only have my all of my drugs free but i can have a little extra money mm. so i started doing that at 13 and that just sort of a little entrepreneur at 13 that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, that just continued until i was about 18 when i graduated school by then i was into cocaine myself wow um in high school yeah wow and then after high school i was selling cocaine selling it to adults and you know uh, i had i was making a ton of money at that stage but my all my life was also a complete disaster i mean sure. i had never been more petrified um well i can't say that there was a time later on that i'll mention that i was probably more petrified but i had like paranoid delusions you know from from yeah. all the cocaine and whatnot and um so yeah it was it, it wasn't a pleasant situation then i got in trouble with the law so i joined the navy to try to get out of it nice and um it didn't really help that much didn't I, work. I, I still did loads of drugs while i was in the navy and found that i could with a with a, a military id it was even easier to smuggle drugs across the border wow. so um i was getting drugs in vancouver smuggling them across the border and um making loads of money so there was when i once i got out of the navy um i still had an id that i could use there was my last month of drug smuggling i, I made like 50 grand Whoa. Uh, there was a time where i was sitting in my room with all of this cash counting it and looking over at my single pane windows and thinking that's just a pane of glass away from somebody you know, breaking in, maybe not only stealing this, but killing me as well. Mm, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I had always thought, man, if I can just get that amount of money, I can sort of rest easy. But now all of a sudden I'm sitting on this pile of cash and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not safe. What, what is it actually going to take for me to be safe or to be at rest? I don't mm. have to worry about money. And thinking I need more security. I probably need a house with a wall. In order to afford that, I probably need to be living in like Mexico or something, you know, where I can hire security guards. Yeah. I'm like, I need millions in order to make this all work. I'm like, I need oh, millions. God. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, and you, I know now, obviously, no matter how much I had, that just would have been there even more and more. Mm. But um, I started then thinking, how can I get millions? And so I was connected into this group of people who were the same ones I made 50 grand with. Right. And I had a couple of different pathways to try to make a million by the end of the year. Wow. And it was probably either that was going to work or I was going to end up dead or in jail. You know, wow. those are the those are the most likely But options. you wanted money so bad, you would risk all of that. Well, yeah. yeah, that was the only sort of career path or life path I saw at the time. Well, I didn't see any, any other. This is why we need God's plan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, his ways are higher than ours. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is all I saw at present. Is just there's just one way, and that's forward. And this is the track that I'm on, so I gotta just yeah. keep on going. So um, that's what I was doing. This group that I fell in with, all of a sudden, they start bringing me into like an initiation. These are drug dealers. These like are drug, drug dealers. Yeah. And yeah. And um, this initiation happened over three months. Wow. And it was sort of a, a, a sort of a, a, a collection of trials and tests that was designed to help them see if I was suitable to be on the inner circle of their group. Wow. And at the time, I thought that they were the Illuminati. That's what I knew this group as. There was no name. Because they were so secretive or just weird? Or? I had read a book about the Illuminati ages ago. And over this three months, there were 
occasions where there was all sorts of supernatural things. Like they were able to read my mind in certain occasions. Wow. There was whole evenings where certain people among them were able to know whatever I was thinking. So I'd have a thought and they'd be responding to my thoughts without me actually verbalizing it. Oh, wow, it. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, and like there was times where uh, if I told you some of the stories about some of the stuff that was happening, I mean, you would think I was crazy. Or that's demonic and there's yeah, something or else that's, going on. Yeah, or that's yeah. demonic, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there there was lots of times of telepathy where people were com able to communicate to me and I was able to communicate to them. Wow. Uh, like mind control, group control, all sorts of like really bizarre things mm. over three months. Enough for me to see that these guys had something that was that was supernatural. Yeah. That was far more than what I understood existed in the mm. world. And all I knew was I wanted this. Mm. I wanted in with this. Yeah. So over this- It must this, have been really intriguing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Because up to this point, I would have considered myself a Christian. Wow, okay. If you would have asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, it, you would have said, does, does not have any you know, conflict with your profession of <laughs> drug smuggling? I'm about, no, you know, like, <laughs> I don't deal heroin. I don't deal crack. Yeah. And these I'm are not doing it to seven year olds. I'm yeah. Okay. No, like I'm, I'm, I'm a moral, yeah. I'm a fairly moral drug guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a moral guy. I'm I, who just happens to be a drug dealer. I deal recreational drugs and mostly ecstasy. You know, yeah, there was the occasional foray into crystal meth, but you know, after I realized what that does to people, I put that aside as same as Coke. I ended up putting that aside and I would only sort of deal in LSD, ecstasy kilos of ecstasy and sounds like you convinced yourself you were doing a oh, community yeah. service like, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm yeah. part of the neighborhood here yeah could, i had a sliding moral scale as most people sure. do you know so i was somewhere in there and i just thought god was far off mm. he's probably not. he's the guy who you meet when you die right you, you die you're gonna enter you're gonna see saint peter and saint peter's gonna say hey why should I let you in? And if you get the code word right, which is Jesus died for my sins and I believe that with all my heart, then he'll mm. say, okay, come on in. You can meet, yeah. you can meet God now. Yeah. And that was, that was it. So I know the code word, so I'm good, you know? So I'm wow. chasing this group. I'm pursuing this group, trying to get in. And finally, after three months, and, and it seemed like nothing I could do would ever make them happy. And there were times where there was threatened my life. And I'd seen enough about these guys to know that, mm. I was completely subject to their control. This is, yeah, this yeah. is what I thought. That it, I, there's no place I can hide from them. They wow. know stuff. All I can do is move forward. Well, this final evening, after a few months of this, I was up in this uh, little kind of shack up on top of a mountain in Washington State. They, these four people had taken me up there, and this was to be my final initiation. And oh, I didn't wow. know this. And we had we had all um, done some drugs. And the four of them lay down on a bed and all of a sudden it was as if what I was looking at was like a rubber sheet. All of reality was like a rubber sheet and somebody came and pinched that sheet and pulled it back so that time and space sort of vortexed and a demon appeared out of this a vortex. demon appears yeah. in this shack. Uh, yeah. yeah, like instead of seeing four people, all of a sudden now I'm looking at a demon and the demon says, hey, you're my son. And it's time for you to inherit what's rightfully yours. Oh, wow. All you need to do is make an agreement with me and you can step into what's yours. And I'm 
I'm now I'm freaking out, you know, I, obviously anybody would, but all of a sudden I see behind the curtain of this thing that I had been pursuing and it's a demon. And I had been. Yeah, I so had the been, demon is running the whole drug yeah, operation. The, the, yeah, the demon. Uh, well, I, you know, looking back on it, what I what I believe about the Illuminati, it, it means illuminated ones, and they're mm. illuminated to the fact that there's a god and a devil, and they've chosen the devil. Yeah. So wow. they're, you know, they're just people who have actually exchanged, um, you know, their life for empty promises of the devil to get whatever they want. What a lie to say that you're my son yeah. and you will have my inheritance. Just like Jesus, isn't it? In the yeah. desert, you know, I will yeah. give you all of this, half my kingdom, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, he's the father yeah. of lies. And if you yeah. looked at if you looked at the lives of these people, they were had messed up lives. I mean, mm. these were not idyllic lives. So if I would, I mean, even looking at it and thinking, would I want what they have? Would I want those lives of people? No. Absolutely not, under no circumstances. But at the time, I was just feared for my life. That um, must have been scary. I, at the time, I'm just crazy. thinking, I just want to get out of here. It, what can I? I knew that I couldn't say yes right away. Mm. You know, I there was no part of me that thought, should I say yes to this? Well, wow. it's just like, can I get out of here alive? Because Man. I can't say as soon as you know it's a devil, it's like no way. What did it look like? Was it like a oh yeah, had like a, a frog head, a frog shaped head Whoa. with like clear skin, and um, it, in the sense it was a wide mouth, sort of eyes on the side, horns, and um, when he as soon as he came in the room, it was like the sound of a furnace in the room, and it felt like the temperature raised, wow. and uh, I mean it was the most oppressive thing just being in the presence of this thing and so he was in that form for a couple of minutes and then wow. he sort he sort of dissipated into the four people who were there wow and they each took on like a different sort of physical characteristic um like scales and stuff so i gotta say i gotta wow. say i i said that i took drugs during this and i took lsd at the beginning mm -hmm. and so anyone could have asked you know hey how do you know this wasn't some a trip? Yeah. yeah how yeah. do you know this wasn't some hallucination? And what I will say is I had been taking LSD. The first drug I did with my dad at 13 was LSD. Wow. And I had been doing LSD, uh, you know, essentially since that time, this mm -hmm. happened when I was 23. So for 10 years, I had loads of experience and never once did I have an, an experience with LSD that you look back after and go, was that real or was that right. not real? Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, you're always able to, to know and even in the moment when your mind is you know going all over the place you can usually you can usually differentiate between reality and and mm. and an illusion but not only can i look back on that and and know that it was real and have a whole years of experience but these people i would talk to them afterwards and i never had to say to them hey yeah did you experience that thing that i was mm -hmm. experiencing mm-hmm we just had very casual conversations. When first time wow, I like saw them, normal. first yeah. time I saw them afterwards, they said, uh, "Hey, why didn't you do it? Wow. Why didn't you? Why didn't you go for? You know, mm. like they had the exact same experience yeah. that I had. Yeah. So, so they dissipates into these four people, and then they spend the rest of the evening trying to convince me to do this, and they they kept 
the rewards over the night if I said yes were getting better and better mm-hmm. to like Swiss chalets and helicopters and things like that. Wow. And the threats if I said no were getting worse and worse. Wow. So it went from, you know, being in, impoverished and living in some sort of trailer park to actually we're going to take out power tools and go to town on you tonight wow. until you're dead. If you say no, wow, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that's so evil. Oh, oh man, it was, so evil. it was bad. And, and, it, and did at any point did you consider these guys as your friends ever? Or at this it? point, I no longer saw them as my friends. No, I just saw them as demonic entities. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm just dealing with four, uh, four demonic entities, and um, yeah. So I actually laid down on the ground to die. I had actually resigned at one point in this evening and just said, you know what, you're going to have to kill me. I just laid down on the ground as a symbol of like, you know, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. Wow. Shortly after that, when they didn't kill me and they sort of made up some sort of lie, I, I, I began to suspect that maybe I could leave. So I said, hey, mm. can I, can I go? And they were like, we're not going to stop you, whatever. So tentatively, I got in my car, started driving down this mountain and thinking um, any minute a truck is going to come out of nowhere and ram me. and I'm going to go off the side of the yeah. road and I'm going to, you know, they're going to read about me in the newspaper tomorrow. Wow. That's going to be it. Um, and I it's remember like a horror movie. You'd be you'd, you'd be breaking the speed limit, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, no, I was I was driving very carefully because I was confident that now that I was out from underneath their protection, I was going to die. Wow. So I'm driving down, and, and like I said, it was up on a mountain. It was probably 4 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning now. This had happened all night. And uh, the sun was coming up, and um, as I'm driving down, there was a low-lying cloud right. that I was above. And as I was driving down, I was driving into this cloud. And as I drove into the cloud, I remember thinking, God is in this cloud. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I remember thinking, like, somehow God is in this cloud. And I had this sense, just for a moment, that everything was going to be okay. Like a God awareness, yeah. a peace. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. actually, God was watching this whole situation. And I was going to be okay. It, it di- didn't last long. <laughs> but if there was ever a moment in your life where oh. you would become spiritually awake, it would be following something like that. It would be like... Oh, that's right. And you were sort of... Cogs are taking like, they're the bad guys. I need to go find the good guys. Yeah. So, yeah. Because all of a sudden the reality hits that these things, wow. these spiritual things are not just far away, but they're actually realities that are very near, much mm-hmm. more near that, that I had been interacting with. And for months, I had been getting messages from this group over the radio and like from complete strangers. And all of a sudden I'm realizing... This was just demons. Mm-hmm. The demons were actually speaking to me. Demons were all around doing yeah. this. I mean, so, even, even the whole drug thing, I, I don't know if you know, the Greek word um, pharmaceutical is where we get yeah. pharmos, which is sorcery in yeah. Greek. Yeah. So like drugs are a gateway yeah. to the occult, to, to the yeah. you know, spirit world. And so like if you've been doing LSD for 10 years, you would probably be really spiritually open to the spirit world just on that alone, let yeah. alone being introduced to these guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pharmacia is that is mm. how it's implied um, sorcery. And yeah. I spoke to somebody recently who had a Jesus encounter while high on acid, 
his story is like the antithesis of mine, mm. but with the same result. And it's true, there's a breaking down of your spiritual guard when yeah. you do it, which yeah. is not at all healthy. You know? oh, it's abusing your body, <laughs> mind, and spirit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, not at all healthy. It's not a good way to, uh, to encounter him, but I love that he used that. He knew where I was, he, and he knew that what it was going to mm. take. He knew what it was going to take to actually shift gears with yeah. me. So you go into this cloud, and you have this glimpse, this moment where you're like, <clears throat> God is real, yeah. God's here. Yeah. So I'm going to be okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so I go home, and at this point, I, now I'm thinking, I've made it home. At any moment, the police are going to come because I no longer have their protection. Yeah. So I go into my room, and I flush all of these drugs, you know, thousands wow. of pounds worth of drugs. Wow. Um, I couldn't flush a, a kilo of hash that I had, so I gave that uh, I gave that to somebody. I still wasn't sure what to make of cannabis because I had been a sold-out can, uh, cannabis convert for a long time, so I was still thinking, oh, maybe that's okay. But um, it, I think it was a month or so. Yeah, it was actually... Um, it was actually the the last time I smoked cannabis, I, I I was standing on a beach, and there were people walking in three different directions as I was standing there, and I'd taken one hit, and I had this lighter in my hand, and a lighter with these guys symbolized power, flame symbolized power. So I had this thing in my hand, and I was looking at it, and at that precise moment, these these well, this guy was speaking to his kid. And, and there was like three different conversations and they were all walking in different directions. And it was like highlighted words from each conversation to make a fluent sentence yeah. to me. And the sentence was, you can come back anytime you want. And I heard this wow. out of their words. Wow. And I looked down and I saw that lighter in my hand. I thought, I, and I made the connection because there's this verse in James that says, if you uh, resist the enemy and he will flee, That's submit right. to God, resist the enemy and he will flee. And I looked down and I saw that and I thought, I need him to flee. <laughs> I am wow. never doing this again. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was later. But at, so at the time in my room, I'm thinking I need to cancel all my debts. One guy owed me 15 grand. Another guy owed me like five grand. I used to give drugs to people and then they would pay me back. Right. I called them all up, said, I don't want it. You can keep it. You know, that's it. I'm done. Wow. And I wanted to be sleeping in a church. I was looking for any place I could go. Wow. I You're and, looking for sanctuary. You're yeah, like, this I was is looking weird. for I need, sanctuary. I need that's, Jesus. That's yeah. exactly right. Wow. And so I ended up going to a church that first weekend and they said at the at their at their service, they said, Oh, we've got a university weekend away this weekend. Uh, Dr. Gordon Fee is gonna be speaking. He was a New Testament scholar, mm -hmm. preached on Philippians. I still remember that. I went there and um, I had my nose ring. They, they said, oh, do you want to ride the bus? I said, can I smoke on the bus? They said, no. I said, I'll drive. You know, like, you know, I was rough around the edges. I wore my hat down. I wore this hard expression on my face. Like, you talk to me, I might slap you, you know. And those guys were so kind to me. Wow. Like, they just came up to me and was like, hey, man, what's your story? I bet you, you come here. I want to hang out with you. And I'm just yeah. like. Who are these people? Yeah. But man, they 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 wow. loved me. They took me in. Mm -hmm. They I, I ended up getting rid of my house and moving in with a uh, with about twelve of these guys who ran this campus ministry. Wow. In their mansion, I had nothing to do with that ministry, but they said, "Yeah, you need a place where you can heal." Wow. And took me in.
So and they were on there. some sort of like youth training type sort of. They were campus pastors or, right, okay. for a Christian ministry to big universities called wow. Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha Ministries. I think it was connected with the Assemblies of God at the time. Okay, yeah. So they took me in, and and I and I started to get healed up yeah. over that time, and that year, it was like God took my hand mm. and led me step by step into restoration. Wow. I didn't want to even talk about my story at first because everybody wanted to hear about the demons and stuff, and I didn't even want to talk about oh, that. Bet. Yeah. Plus, I didn't know who was part of this group or not. Ah, right. So I was still paranoid, completely paranoid that I was going to be deceived. Like because, someone had infiltrated and they are going to find oh, you. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. thought, these guys are everywhere. Wow. And the one major revelation that I had at the time is that you do not know where you're deceived. Because mm. you're in deception. You're yeah. in deception. Yeah. That's the nature of deception. You do not know wow. what you believe is true that is, is actually a lie. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm completely wow. at your mercy to help me sort out what's true and what's not. Mm. And um, so that year, I went to four different churches, four different church services. Every weekend? Every, every week, yeah. Wow. I went to one on Wednesday night and three on Sunday, an <laughs> early morning service, a late morning service, and an evening service. Super Christian, yeah. Not super. I wanted to just... Be, uh, check what one was saying off the other oh, one. Oh, wow, okay. Because I I was too worried about being deceived, so I picked diff, very different types of churches. Just looking for truth. Just looking for truth. Wow. And yeah. I joined, out of those four churches, I joined three home groups, and I also went to meetings with the Chi, with the Chi Alpha Campus Christian wow. <laughs> Fellowship. Wow. And then I would also listen to... Um, Calvary Chapel Radio, where they would just wow. teach through mm -hmm. the Bible um, chapter by chapter. Wow. And for a year, I was just soaking in. It was like my own homemade discipleship program. Yeah. It's like some people, it, is like a, it takes a whole village to raise a child. Yeah. And some people, when they get saved, they do just need as much Christian input as possible. And like it sounds like you did the right thing by hungering after that and going and finding it. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, and... And I'd recommend that to people who, who feel like they need that, like any any one church isn't able to actually... Because I don't think any one church could give me what I needed at that time. Oh, you needed churches, a lot of attention. Yeah, churches yeah, don't yeah. have that infrastructure. Mm. So it actually worked really yeah. well to yeah. just go and connect myself with as many people as I could. Wow. And uh, it was a type of Bible school in a way. Yeah, sure. You know, it had its ups and downs, but yeah. We had multiple pastors looking out for you. You know, and yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you go from there? So you get saved and I take it a year of going to all these different places. You would have really known the word by the end of that year. You would have started to understand God's love for you, his protection for you. Yeah. Then where did you, you know, I think we all arrive as Christians. We get to this place where we're like, now I'm saved. Where is God leading me? What's my calling? What yeah. happened from that stage? Well, one one kind of cool encounter I can tell you about uh, that was pivotal in that time mm. was when I started speaking in tongues. Go for it, yeah. Because because I had such a history of being a, of, of being deceived, mm -hmm. I said to God, God, I do not want anything that is not of you, and I was particularly sure. afraid 
of getting some getting something some other entity or yeah. demonic spirit or something either yeah. getting a demonic spirit or just being led down the wrong path mm-hmm. and i and so i had a really tight filter for that and it, but it it was a good thing in some respects but it was also something that held me back from experiencing god right. because there's too much fear there of like you know i don't want anything that's not real and it's i think some of the way that god has spoken to me at least is when there's a level of openness and quiet trust mm-hmm. and that that hadn't matured in me very much yeah. at all yeah. it was still a lot of yeah. fear faith is so like the opposite of being cautious it's just like yeah. unraveling yourself and just saying, I'm just, I'm all in God. Yeah. But if you're yeah, holding back, right. it's, it's really hard to move into the supernatural gifts and yes. things of the spirit because you're exactly. putting the barrier up. God's there. He's ready. And you've got yeah. to come and meet him, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there was that barrier there for me with, with wow. receiving the gift of tongues. Mm. Now, when I went to this one church to get baptized, they didn't even believe in any of the gifts of the spirit. And I didn't wow. know this. Okay. I was still early on in my faith, and the guy said, um, why do you want to be baptized? And I said, well, I've been baptized in the Spirit. And he said, how do you know you've been baptized in the Spirit? I said, well, what I can read of Scripture, like lives are transformed when you get filled with the Spirit. And my life has been radically transformed. There's no way that could have happened mm-hmm. without being filled with the Spirit. Yeah. I didn't know he didn't believe in being filled with the Spirit in that way. Mm-hmm. But he was like, yeah, okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, we'll baptize you. And I'm like, fantastic. He did a great job. Great yeah. guy. And um, so so I ended up getting baptized, and I believed that I had already been baptized in the Spirit, but I didn't have any demonstrative gift. I didn't have the gift of tongues, but I wanted it. I saw mm-hmm. these other people, and I thought, I don't really know how to pray very well, so I really want that gift. And, um, but because I had this fear yeah. thing, it just wasn't happening. But, but your hunger is what pushes you through, and it's like, I've seen so many people who have this take it or leave it with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, if you could take or leave your healing, guess what? You probably won't get healed. If you could take mm-hmm. or leave the gift of tongues, you probably won't get it. You do have to have a hunger in there somewhere. Yeah. You can't just walk around with your hands in your pockets spiritually thinking God will just show up. You, yeah. You know, because the scripture says yeah. desire and pursue spiritual exactly. gifts. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a bit of that pursuit for me. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I want that. I want this thing of people can pray in a way that they're the scripture says you're being edified when you pray mm. in the spirit i want to edify myself that way yeah that that my sometimes when my mind's all messed up i can just do that so so i've been praying and saying lord you know give me that and people were praying for me laying hands and none of it was happening mm-hmm. and um there was this one day i went for a drive to pray and i went driving down the coast this beautiful spot and i parked up and i was exhausted at, at this stage in my life just it was stressful trying to root out truth uh root out lies from truth and in my life and and i ended up sort of falling asleep as i was praying like so many of us do and i was in that place just in in between being asleep and awake Mm -hmm. and i'm but i'm still praying and i'm hearing these words come out of my mouth and the and like but i'm in my sleepiness i'm hearing these words and i'm like what is that and then i realized that that was me. I was mm. still praying, but I was praying. Wow. I was praying, praying in, in another tongues. language. Wow. I was praying in tongues. Yeah. But I was um, just, I was at that point where my logical 
mind had gone to sleep. Mm -hmm. But I was just awake enough to actually hear my spirit, the, the Holy Spirit within me, interceding wow. for me yeah. in this language yeah. without my logical mind and my fear getting in the yeah. way. Yeah. And I realized I had probably received that gift so, like so many times previously, but just never had the faith to actually enact Activate it because my it, logic yeah. was getting in yeah. the way. Yeah. And man, I had the deepest peace and joy oh, kind of yeah. as I, as I came to and I sort of woke up and I realized, wow, you're in me and you've given me this gift. And there was just this massive sense of peace. And I drove back just praising him at the top mm, of my life. Good. Do you know oh, what I mean? So, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was a, a cool bit. And, and then uh, when I went back, I didn't know what to do with my life. A, a lot of these guys, the American church, mm. felt uh, weird to me. Right. There was a lot of games, and and um, which is absolutely fine. Like games and fun mm -hmm. are is great, you know. But it seemed like it was all games and all fun, and I had just had this experience. Yeah. Where you wanted like, a god encounter. Where yeah. well, yeah, and, and I'm like the devil's real and he's out mm -hmm. there, and like. Yeah. All we're doing is playing board games. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like, um, and that's a really harsh characterization, but I was not an easy guy to live with at that stage yeah. because. Oh, your mind must have been in a whole other place. You're like, the devil's real. Why are we messing about? Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have said this to one of the campus pastors there, and he said, do you know what you should do? You should do a YWAM DTS. Nice. And go, go to the other, go to a different culture because this is what. Christianity looks like right here in this place at this time at, on this uni with these people and yeah the, it's got it's good bad and the uglies but other places have different good bad and uglies yeah and the only way you can experience that is if you you, you pick up and go to a different culture yeah so I um do you want to just explain youth with a mission YWAM they've got like training schools all over the world yeah. mostly sort of young adults go there don't they and just sort of yeah um it'd be like you take a year out or maybe more do some sort of discipleship training evangelism a lot of prayer um they're just really good guys they're yeah. all over the globe lots of people will say oh yeah I started my walk with God really through YWAM or, you know. Yeah, they have discipleship yeah. schools, training schools, which is the first sort of school. And then from there, you can get into all sorts of things. Mm. I did later a school of biblical studies with them as well, which was just a brilliant school. But um, I prayed about where to go and felt I would go to Ukraine. Wow. I wanted to go to some place that was um, not, you know, super, um, not super rich place but also not a place where I was likely to get killed or anything, um, which is probably not true today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opposite is um, true today. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, so it was, and it was a, a fabulous experience, mm. a really, really good experience. My outreach was to Siberia. And I just watched um, my Christian family actually help support that endeavor as well. We had loads of people who um, supported me and, and mm. just loved on me through that whole journey. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <clears throat> so Ukraine, how long were you in Ukraine? Um, I was there for a year in total. Wow. God yeah. can do a lot in a year, though. I mean, is there any sort of stories that might build people's faith from that time in Ukraine that you can think of? Yeah, there was one day in particular that was really cool. Um, the, the school, the all the base leaders had gone away somewhere, and they had um, they left two students in charge, and I was one of those students. And so they gave me the finances for the week and we had this speaker and they said, uh, you need to make sure that you 
after on Sunday afternoon, you need to make sure that you come and you pay for the speaker's taxi and you get him to the airport. You know, here's the money right. to do that. And um, so I had the money in my pocket. And I was probably feeling pretty proud. You know, I'm, I'm in charge now. <laughs> you know, yeah. young young guy um, wrestling with his pride. And um, I'm on my way to church. I thought I'm probably just going to have time to get to church. And um, but I didn't. I usually went with a Ukrainian guy, and I didn't really know the way to this church very well. Right. And um, and I'm thinking, but I felt I was to go to that church. And then on the way, I saw this beggar sitting on a bridge, and I felt like God say, "I want you to give all the money oh, to no. this beggar." <laughs> right. Okay. I'm thinking this isn't even my money. Like, what am I gonna do if I give all this money to this beggar? And yeah. I'm like, oh, jeez, Lord. Um. I so I keep walking. And then I sort of stop and I'm wrestling with this. I'm like, God, are you sure? And is that really you? You know that thing where you're wrestling? Like that's that, that's a random thought, but yeah, it can only be God. Like why why yeah. would I think that? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to work out in my head how can I do this because the uh, the only way I could get cash. I'm like, I have my card on me, but there's only one hotel that has an ATM where I can pull out money and I don't know how to get from the church where I'm going what tram or public transport to get to that hotel and my Russian is not great at this point so I'm thinking how is this gonna work <laughs> and I'm like okay well I'm like if you're saying to do it I'm mm -hmm. gonna do it so I go back I give her all the money now I'm on this real high and I'm like yeah God you're in this so I get to the church I sit up in the balcony doing the worship sermon starts i'm like i need to leave in about 10 minutes if i'm going to get to this hotel i said but i don't know where this place is i'm like lord you're going to have to come through precisely at that moment a guy comes out of nowhere and sits down next to me and says hey what are you doing i said oh i'm so glad you're here i need to get out of here he's like can you show me what tram he's like yeah come on we'll go i got you and i'm like yes god you come through you know so he puts me on the right tram. I go to the tram. Now I'm I'm praising him for the day. I'm thinking, Lord, it's so great that you come through. <laughs> I get to this hotel. I walk through the doors, you know, these big double doors. They open up. And there lying on the floor, spread eagled, is this guy with a blue face. His face is oh, completely no. blue. He is not breathing. There's his girlfriend or wife is panicking, freaking, crying out the the waiting the the lobby's sort of bustling about the doorman is leaned over this guy and and i come and i'm like what is going on this guy looks dead mm. i'm like what is going on i'm coming and um i i look at the doorman i kneel down at the guy's head and i put my hand on his head and the doorman looks at me and he starts to say something i didn't know exactly what he said but i could make out cpr in yeah. it. And he's like, do you want to do CPR? Some, it was something to that effect. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for this guy. Wow. So I put my hand on his head. The doorman starts doing CPR. And um, I was so confident right from the get-go, this guy's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. He's going to start breathing. He's going to come back to life. But there was absolutely no sign of that. After about five minutes, no, no sign. The doorman starts doing CPR. Then, um, which they say after three minutes, your brain's dead. And well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the, the, the science behind it, but I do know that at some point the doorman pulled out the spoon and shoves a spoon down the man's throat and sort of wriggled it about, made the most horrible sound, you know, like <laughs> it was like, okay, not good. And, um, so 
after about 10 minutes, still nothing. Wow. Now at this point, I'm like, Lord, I really felt this guy's going to mm. be just fine. Like what's going on? Wow. And I reached out and touched his hand, his head and just started praying out loud in tongues. Wow. And, um, after 15 minutes, still nothing, you know, he, man, you were still there 15 minutes later. Oh yeah. Wow. We were just, we were just yeah. camped out there. The guy's not breathing. It's like, okay. And the other guy was still doing CPR, which probably helped my faith. Like if he's, mm. if he's going to be trying to do that, then I should be trying to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's doing the natural, you do the spiritual. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's trying, I'm trying. So I'm praying in tongues and I'm, I'm rebuking death and speaking life into this guy mm. and all the rest of it. I'm, my hand's on his head and it, I'm thinking, I'm touching a dead person, <laughs> but I'm still going for it, you know? And then all of a sudden, after about 15 minutes, I hear this. <laughs> you know? wow. It's like, what's that? Like, the, uh, you know, like the doorman and I are both like, what is going on? And it was him taking a really sort of weird, oh, shallow wow. sort of breath. Yeah. And it just like, it was like his airway just opened up or whatever. And he just all of a sudden started, wow. started breathing. Then he, he opens his eyes and starts to like sit up. He comes to, he starts to sit up. And you can tell on his face, he's probably thinking, why do I have the most sore throat in the world? Yeah, like, yeah. That guy jammed a spoon down yeah. your throat, <laughs> you know, but he sits up and he's like, you know, looking around at precisely at that point, the ambulance arrives Wow. and they pull up right to the steps, come up with a stretcher, cart the guy away. And I'm like, Lord, you just, you just set that guy free. Mm. And I don't know, like, you know, whether he was dead or whether whether I, I think he was dead mm. but i don't know whether he was just dead or the the lord used but i know that the lord used my prayers i know mm. it was a supernatural occurrence yeah. that i was there at that precise and, time and if you hadn't given the money to the beggar if i hadn't given that money yeah. i wouldn't have been there yeah and that's, that's it god puts you in the right place at the right time with the yeah. right people and it yeah. always starts with obedience doesn't it yeah, yeah. i would have never known like you know that I could be there at that precise moment, but it yeah. started with that, mm. with that thing of obedience. So, wow! But yeah. that's, but I know you, and I know that that's something that you've carried through your whole Christian walk. Even you were telling me about the way God provided for your schooling, and yeah. that just the same thing, isn't it? Just obedience. Just when you know, T tell us about what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me say this first, though, that like, there, there's been so many times i mean just hearing that there's a little bit of guilt that goes within me because it's like there's been so many times where i haven't well you haven't yeah yeah, yeah. And i'm like I, yeah, yeah just so many times where i'm where i wish that i would have followed through with that and mm. i'm just so grateful that god is so gracious and he just keeps putting circumstances in front of me yeah and setting me up for success and every every failure is just on the pathway to another thing that i'm able to obey in you know, yeah. <laughs> that he empowers me, yeah. it covers up those weaknesses. Cause yeah, there's been so many, so many times where I just have kicked myself for not following yeah. through. So it's, yeah. it's a bit like the, uh, the, the heavenly game show when you die, it's like, Jesus will be like, here's what you could have won. You said no uh, to this. You know? yeah. yeah. But his thing, his redemptive power and his ability to, um, even take those mistakes and those weaknesses right. and redeem them is yeah. just phenomenal. So with university, because there's one of each of those stories, uh, you know, a good decision and a bad decision there. Because mm. when I was in Ukraine, 
uh, the second time, I I felt after the the school of biblical studies is like three trimesters, and after the first one, I started to feel that I was supposed to leave and go back. Right. And so there was this back to the states. Back to the states. Yeah. And um, I wasn't sure what I, like where I was supposed to be going yet. And um, I told we had a break, and I was going to be praying over it. And actually, over this time, I needed to renew my visa. So, um, my friend said, uh, "Hey, why don't you come to Western Ukraine and stay in this cabin?" You, I said, "Oh man, I'm really using this weekend to pray about what I should be doing, whether I should be coming or going." Mm. He said, "You should come here, and you can pray, and um, it'll be great. There's a train it leaves at like one o'clock. You know, come." and and come it's it'll be fantastic i think it was in Lvov, and i'm like okay well i'll let you know so we get off the phone and um right away i'm like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go there and pray it'll be good so i show up at the train station like 20 to 1 and they say oh there's a there is a train that goes there but it leaves in 10 minutes Hmm. and i was like oh no okay so I, i buy my ticket i still hadn't spoken to my friend it was before mobile phones that day so i run to the platform there's a phone on the platform i call the number that i have for him and it turns out it's, it's a wrong number oh no and it took a while on the phone as i'm saying i want to speak to oleg in russian and they're saying oleg who and i'm like oleg dupe and they're like he's not here and i'm like trying to explain to them that i'm coming and i'm going to be on the trade and after a good long while it's like no i don't know any oleg you've got the completely wrong number it's like Oh no, now the train doors are about to shut. And I'm like, do I go or do I not? And I ended up getting on the train. Little did I know it was an overnight train. I rationalized that I would just go to Budapest and renew my visa, which I needed to do sometime anyway. Mm -hmm. But by the time I got to Budapest, I had spent almost all my money. When I looked at how much the visa was going to cost and how much I had in my account, I had $7 a day. And they said, we can't see you for another five days. And once you leave, you can't get back in without renewing your visa. Oh, no. So I had $7 a day. No, I had $5 a day. And the cheapest youth hostel was going to be $7. Oh, no. So I knew no one and had no um, no money or, or anything. You know, I could either eat and not have a place or have a place for a few days and not and eat. No eat. Oh, yeah, so, that's a bad choice. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, oh, what do I do? So I ended up looking up churches in the phone book. I went to a hostel, called up this church. They connected me with the YWAM base in Budapest, where there was a bunch of crazy young people from a missions college in the States called Bethany Christian wow. uh, University. Bethany, yeah, Bethany. It's a university called Bethany. They also have a uh, publishing house. And I knew that's where I was supposed to go. Wow. And so I went back and, and I had the way that the Lord cared for me and spoke to me over that, that mm. weekend was just like out of this foolish act of me sort of throwing myself out there, I ended up getting my next step. So it was so sort of miraculous and powerful the way that God mm. spoke to me. And I went back and told them I need to go. And they said, oh, are you sure? Are you really sure? I said, I'm pretty sure. So they said, they said, well, why don't you try to raise money for the, for the next two trimesters? And if you raise it, then you can take that as a sign that you're supposed to be here because we feel you're supposed to be here. Mm. And if you don't raise it, then you can take that as confirmation that you're supposed to go. Yeah, like a fleece. Yeah, yeah. and that sounded fine. Mm-hmm. So I tried to raise the money and not a person, single person gave. And even though I was like, oh, it's great that you confirmed that, but I also felt devastated. Yeah. I also felt like, oh man, I don't have any support now. 
So I ended up leaving Ukraine. I had to borrow money from my brother, going and staying with him and um, in Florida. I was working for a little while to try to pay him off. And the wow. time came to go to university, and I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm not asking anybody for anything because that was just too painful. After getting nothing. After no getting all that no rejection. Investing in you. Yeah. yeah. Thought, I'm, I'm not asking. I was like, if you want me to go, you're going to have to provide. Um, I thought what I will do is I will go talk, tell this church that I'm going to that, that mm. I feel like it's a, this is what I'm called to and see if they want to support me as a church mm -hmm. without asking outright. I was going to be pretty under the radar about it. So I go to see their, their missions pastor who agrees to meet with and he says, when the Lord speaks, he usually confirms. He, says he speaks through the word, through his people, but he also speaks through circumstances. And if your circumstances don't line up, i.e. he's not giving you the money to do this, then it's probably not his will. Right. Right. Okay. And as soon as he said that, I'm sitting there thinking, no, this is wrong. Like I knew the story. I knew that God yeah. had actually, he had called me to do this. Yeah. So I left there thinking, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I packed up on my car. I drove from Florida to Minnesota. And, um, so you drove to the, the university, to the university, even though you hadn't got the money to even get they it. They allowed me to enroll by wow. faith. Wow. And there was you had to pay for the full four years over the course of the first year. Wow. So there were three payments and you had to, you had to make each payment and the date for the first payment came up. I didn't know how I was going to pay it. I'm expecting a conversation with them saying, you know, and I, I didn't know how I was going to respond, but instead the administrator came, put a paper on my desk. I opened it up and it said paid you know there was the receipt for my first wow. insta installation of my fees paid by an anonymous person and i thought wow well you can go tell your missions pastor like you know yeah, i know yeah, yeah. i know i did think about that yeah. um and yeah if you're watching shame on you <laughs> no, no. Uh, and then subsequently every every wow. single time a payment yeah. was due that payment was paid and i still to this day do not know wow who paid for that but um but yeah god came through massively and, it, wow. and it's just a lesson it's a lesson that i think i probably need to learn now mm. it's just that he is he's able to he's able to cover yeah whatever it is our need is yeah you know? and thank god for that person who obeyed the lord yeah. in paying for yeah, it man. you know it's nice to be on both sides of that story isn't it yeah. to be receiving but also to yeah. to honor god when he tells you you know just like giving a homeless man all your yeah. <laughs> all your money you know yeah, yeah. So wow. good, yeah. man. That is good, and God, God has looked after you. And obviously now you, you're married, six kids, and um, let's bring it into more recently. Um, you shared with me an incredible vision you had, yeah, um, and just how it's, it's spurring you to actually even study that and just lean into that with all of your life. Really, you're really coming into this revelation. Do you want to just go into that? Yeah, it was. Um I, this I mean COVID was hard for a lot of people mm. and for us it was really that was a season where something that was on our heart we wanted to plant a church mm. so we had been pastoring a church in Orkney for nine years that church had been doing really really well we had loved our life there we loved the people there wow and um there was a young couple on our leadership team who were the children of the pastors before us and it felt right to pass the church on to them right 
and to move down south. We had already been doing a lot more stuff in Scotland and in England as well. And just wanted to plant a church here to with a heart to seeing the spiritual temperature in the nation mm. raised. Yeah, you know, that, come on. That we would connect that it, with other churches. Mm. We had this conviction that somehow we were going to have some part to play in encouraging or just seeing really revival come to every yeah. part of the church. Mm. And um, so we didn't know what that was going to look like, but we felt that a church plant was going to be strategic in that. So there was a group mm. of people that we were, uh, it was agreed we were going to plant a church together. And we had moved down in October, 2020 after the lockdown. Wow. Little did we know there was going to be two or three more yeah, lockdowns yeah. and we were going to be in a state of lockdown for a while. Wow. And um, so the church plant did not go the way that we expected it. Mm. And um, we made a painful decision to, to lay that down. Um, and, and the Lord's opened up all sorts of doors since. Mm. But when we were in the middle of wrestling with what really felt like failure at mm. the time, yeah. at the same time I was being invited to this young apostolic group at Bethel Church. And there was, it was a real honor to be a part of this group. Some of these guys were experiencing amazing things. You know, yeah. they were um, seeing this, this one guy, he's awesome. His name is Benji Morph. He, he started a, an indigenous movement in Thailand wow. where they baptized. Uh, they had three, they probably had more since, but they had three baptisms. I think the first one was like two and a half thousand people wow. one weekend. Then a quarter later, it was like three and a half thousand. Man. Then a quarter later, it was five thousand. Was that like six days long or something? Like, how did they do that? I think it was two days. There's videos. Wow. You, you can see them busting these people in. And they had lines, like 10 rows of people just coming into the river and people baptizing them wow. one after the other and coming out of the water just transformed. Mm. I mean, like, but like, you know, so testimony time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, <laughs> we lost half of our people, you know, and we only had eight, you know, yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, like, yeah. we baptized 5,000 people, you know, and, and just... I, it, you've heard wow. of imposter syndrome. Yes. Well, I had it like times 10. Yeah. You know, it was bad. Oh. And so I get invited to this apostolic conference. And I'm thinking, like, please just don't let anybody ask me any questions about what I'm doing, you know. Yeah. At the same time, they were going to let us speak to the uh, second year mm. BSSM students. Oh, nice. And uh, so it was this collision of feeling completely like an imposter, feeling mm. completely like a failure, and yet being given a position of honor. Wow. And I'm like, oh gosh, wrestling with the weight of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm at Bethel Church, which if you don't know, is an absolute massive church. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm seated in the second row, right behind Chris Valentin, who's one of my heroes. And you know, that they, they they sort of ushered us into this seat. And I'm worshiping, and I all of a sudden I have this this vision. Wow. And I'm in the throne room of God. And there in the throne room of God is the throne in this bright light that mm. is more brilliant than you can't even see into it. It's just this piercing light. And flooding from this bright light is this like rainbow stream of light washing over the head of the elders. And the elders are there on their faces. Wow. And this rainbow is like a fire hose of light 
washing over them. And somehow I know that each color in this rainbow represents a different attribute of God. Mm. So the mercy of God, the joy of God, the wrath of God, the peace of God, Mm. the love of God, you know, the compassion and the tenderness of God, all of these things in like turned up to infinity. Yeah. And any one of those things, you know, the, the fullness of the emotions that they're experiencing going through this, but they're experiencing them all at the same time. Mm. And it was like the intent, the look of intense um, pain, pleasure, everything on their faces. There was just tears of stream, uh, tears streaming down their eyes. Yeah. And it was like, wow, you know, they're experiencing a depth of God. And all of a sudden I, I'm aware of myself. Mm. standing next to someone who's like Jesus. Wow. And um and he says to me look at their crowns. And I look over and there are their crowns laying on the ground. And they're completely inconsequential. You know. Yeah. The, all ev- the only thing that matters is what they're experiencing and, and they're experiencing his holiness and they're going, "Holy are you?" You know. Mm. They're experiencing his glory. They're like, "All oh, glory is yours." Everything coming out of their mouth is about what they're experiencing and their crowns yeah. mean literally nothing. Yeah, they've laid them down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they I am thinking they didn't even lay them down. They just fell down and there yeah. they are. They didn't care. Yeah, it's like get the, yeah, yeah. the only thing that mattered is receiving at that moment. Yeah. Because the true treasure of heaven was him himself and I'm like mm. and then God's uh, uh, this Jesus standing next to me says if you think because I, I, I was aware I had the crown on my head. Ah, my crown right. was on my head. And, yeah. and he said, if you think you need that in order to stand in my presence, wow. then you'll never take it off. Mm. Right? If you think you have to wear that crown in order to come into this room and be with me, you'll never take it off because you want to be with me. Mm. You want to be in my presence. Yeah. And if you think, oh, if, if, I, if I don't have this crown on, I, I'll not be able to be near him. I, I need to remind him that I'm royalty so that I have access mm. into his presence. But if I believe that, which is a lie, yeah. I'll never be able to assume the position that the elders had assumed, which is the one of re- receiving the true treasure of heaven. Mm. Right? And it was like, he started speaking to me, I want to see you set free wow. from the addictions mm. of the approval of man, mm. needing to get uh, approved by other people and have them validate who you are or being approved by the works that you do Mm. and thinking that, you know, because of the, because I've achieved this or I've achieved that, that that's what enables me to stand in your presence. And he started unpacking this thing of, you know, there's all sorts of crowns that we put on our head Mm. that we think, makes God love us more. Like it qualifies us for his It love. qualifies yeah. us to, mm. to receive. And that wow. and that actually prevents us from being in that position to receive. Mm. And then he's, and because then he started speaking to me, he says, the thing is, John, you want to please me. Mm. You really want to please me. And so you often think that what pleases me is that crown on your head. Wow, okay. The works that you do, mm. you know, and the different things that you can point at and say, look, look at what I've achieved. But actually, there's my pleasure is constant over you. And he started speaking to me about when Jesus was baptized and Jesus comes out of the water. Remember what the father says, mm. this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's right. Wow. And he's saying, this is what you were baptized into when you when you 
when you were baptized, you were baptized, and it's not even my physical baptism in water so much as when Christ actually died, there was a baptism into death. That's right. I was in him, and I was actually in him as he was baptized. And as he was raised up out of the water, which is symbolic of him being raised out of the uh, out of the tomb, I was in him at that moment. And when that voice echoed from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, that that voice was echoing over me at that time yeah. saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he was saying, that cannot be improved upon. No, and it's full circle from your encounter with the demon who yeah. called you his son exactly. and said, this is my, I'll give you my inheritance. And yeah. that's the lie. That's the deception. But the yeah. absolute truth you were looking for. That's exactly was right. Was Jesus. It's exactly this right. This is my son. It's full yeah, circle. Yeah. Only that there was the condition of the enemy was mm -hmm. that I did such and such and such and such. And the condition of God was, hey, I've already done this for you. Yeah. Do you want to believe it? That's so good. <laughs> that's such, that's, that brings us into such a good place to yeah. land. Yeah. I, I love that just... You know, for anyone who's looking for that, you only get it in Jesus. You only, you only yeah. get that that confidence of knowing your love, knowing you have a Father in heaven. And like you say, even as Christians, we can get religious. Yeah. We try and put these crowns on, these things that qualify us, whether it's our works or our position or, I don't know, a title in church or whatever mm. it is. But um, I love that. And even the fact that in Revelation, when we read that about the, the, the elders laying down their crowns, it was a vision that John had. Mm. And you're John, and you had a vision of the same thing. I love that, you know, yeah. just the parallels. You know, God's God's uh, he's he's always got stuff in patterns, isn't he, in rhythms? But um, John, why don't you pray for us to close off for anyone listening or watching, and yeah, whatever you feel led to pray. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you that you are pleased with us, and I know that sometimes that seems so hard to believe when I look at my life and. The mistakes that I've made and the, the you know the, the things that I know that I didn't follow through on or didn't obey and I know every person who's hearing this will have things in their life where they feel mm -hmm. like how could you be pleased with me but I want to thank you for the magnitude of your grace in Christ and I want to thank you Lord for the way that you delight in your kids despite our weakness and I thank you that you love to take the weak in order to shame the strong, you glorify your Amen. name through the weak. Amen. And so I want to pray, Lord, for any person listening to this, that they would have a fresh encounter with the God who says, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. And I pray that that would just be resonating over their lives, over their decisions, that things would break off each person, uh, lies would break off of them that just say, hey, you're never going to be good enough. <clears throat> and that might be true in one sense, but I know that your love, that all things are made perfect by your love. So we thank you for that. Lord, bring faith, grace, and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, yeah. John. That was a, that was a, Thanks, a great podcast, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on sometime soon. Yeah. Amen. All right. <laughs>